Ever listen to a real estate agent or podcast and wondered what in the world they are saying? Jargon is present in every industry and over the next three episodes, we will help you wrap your head around things that are unique to real estate. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're here to help you understand real estate jargon, and there's plenty of it. <laughs> but before we get into that, there's a special house behind Megan, although it's not that special. Not that special. <laughs> it's just a house made of words. I thought it was very relevant for our episodes that we're doing over the coming weeks. You know, people are creative, aren't they? There's a house full of words. A house full of words. And you know how Megan likes trawling the internet looking for unusual houses, so this, yeah. this one so let's kick off. Let's start working. We're doing A to Z. Here. A to Z. A to Z. Real estate terminology. And some of it is, let's face it, wanky. And some of it you really need to know. Um, now, just we might also mention, we're going to have this as a download. This is a download that you get when you do the course, your first home buyer guide. But we will also have it as a download in the show notes. Aren't we nice? All yours. Aren't we yeah, nice? To you. <laughs> <laughs> let's kick off with A. Now, this is a really interesting one, Veronica, because again, (laughs) let's put it right out there, every state is different, but acceptance, and acceptance is actually a legal terminology when it comes to contracts. So it's, it's technically the consent by the person receiving the offer to be bound by the terms and conditions of the person making the offer. So the acceptance of an offer constitutes an agreement, but as I say, Every state is different because it actually has to be a particular process that is followed in order for acceptance to be binding. That's exactly right. So in New South Wales, for example, we have this term called offer and acceptance. That means you've made the offer. It's been accepted. Yeehaw. Does that mean that you can buy that property without any risk of missing it or losing it? No, it does not. You actually need <laughs> to exchange. there's another thing that has to happen. But that'd be under E. So let's get <laughs> keep moving through the A's here. Amenity. 
Uh, Liz is a word that auctioneers use all the time and it does my head in. Yeah, it is it is a bit one of the, it is one of the wanky ones, really, to be honest. It's a feature of a real property, you know, a, a house or a unit or so forth that enhances its attractiveness and increases the occupant's or user's satisfaction, although the feature is not essential to the property's use. So amenity might be, you know, Veronica, a scenic view or recreational facilities or proximity to transport. Yes. And that is something that auctioneers do stand up in their preamble and they say proximity and they use words like desirous, like give me a break. Who uses that in everyday language? But amenity is a big thing. Close to all the amenities you could possibly want, blah, blah, blah. But there, it, it, you know, there is, a, there is a reason for it. It does mean something, even and though there it's you go. You know what it is a little there. bit wanky. Appreciation. Appreciation. Right. And that's not just saying something nice I to like somebody it. who's done something nice for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is an increase in the value of a property due to changes in market conditions or supply and demand, etc. So if a property's appreciating, that's a good thing, unless mm-hmm. you're trying to buy a property and all property's appreciating and it's running away from you. But <laughs> it's going to be good or bad depending you on what you want it, you'll want it to appreciate. You, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Asking price. It's a listed price of a property, but may or may not always be the property, the price that it sells for. The owner may be willing to negotiate, but that's their starting point. Now, a lot of properties don't have an asking price. We're not suggesting that they all do, uh, but you'll often find one that has an asking price, literally has, you know, the dollar amount. I know. It's less and less though, isn't it? Over time, even yes. in areas that are not auction areas, because obviously in an auction area, you know, there's going to be a guide unless you're in Queensland, in which case you don't even get no a guide. guide. Um, but an asking price it used to be in the olden days, you know, it was either auction or private treaty with price on it. These days it's auction or, um, offers. A plethora you know? so of other things. Buy negotiation. Than, I saw yeah. one the other day that said, talk to me in the price. Oh, <laughs> love it. Just what do you want? That's the asking price. <laughs> Assessed value. This is the valuation placed on the property for the purpose of taxation by an authority. So um, sometimes this relates to the unimproved land value, which we'll go into a little bit later. So that's what the um, the local uh, government authority or usually state body uh, gives the value of the land, not necessarily the market value though. No. And in fact, if you go back to episode 98, which I banged on about quite a lot, in New South Wales, because we've got that um, that choice that first home buyers have up to a purchase price of one and a half million, that they can choose to pay either stamp duty or ongoing land tax. And the land tax is based on the assessed value. Your rates are based on the assessed value. So it's certainly something that governments use when they're taxing you, as Megan just said. Yep. Let's look at asset, Veronica. Hmm. I love assets. <laughs> assets are valuable. Over to you. <laughs> it's like my asset could be, I don't know, my um, my dulcet tones, you know, my ability to project my voice. could be an asset, right? Um, when it comes to property, an asset is something that is valuable, right? And so even if they're not very good assets, they're still assets. And so when I say not very good, that's, you know, properties that don't go up very much in value. But so anything Some might about suggest it, Bitcoin. Could be uh, not necessarily an asset. An asset, yes. So, <laughs> but an asset in financial terms is anything of monetary value that is owned by a person. So that it could be personal property, could be a car. Um, real property is as real estate is referred to in a legal sense. Um, bank accounts, you know, the cash in them at least. Absolutely, is an asset. Oh, your favourite auction. Auction. <laughs> <laughs> this is the public sale of a property or real estate that is sold to the highest bidder. 
under a perfect set of circumstances, conditions, and legislation. Absolutely. More popular in some places than other, and also more popular in some market conditions than others. Certainly. Now we're into B now. We've finished A. We're on to B. Okay. Beneficiary is our first B. And that's a person designated to receive the income from a trust, a state, or a deed of trust. That's, you know, quite technical. Yeah. If we don't use Nothing it, that, that often. <laughs> no, let's move on. Body corporate. This is important, particularly if you're buying something that isn't a freehold property. It's an administrative body made up of all the owners within a group of units or apartments of a strata building. The owners elect a committee that handles administration and the upkeep of the site. Very important to understand that if you're looking at anything that is not freehold. Yes, so that means units, townhouses, villas, um, and also known as an owner's corporation. So once again, like so many things in property, the terminology can be slightly different state to by state or territory. Uh, right, bond. Oh, it's we all know about paid by a tenant. So if you've been renting, you know absolutely what a bond is and you work really hard to get it back at the end. Uh, but it's a sum of t- uh, money paid by a tenant held by the rental bond board in each relevant state to insure against defaulting on payment or damage to a property. It's typically, it's four weeks rent in Usually. New South Wales. Same yep. in Queensland. Yep. Uh, it's limited to that unless uh, the rent is over $750 a week and then it can be negotiated between the parties if you if you want a higher bond. There you Ooh, go. Tricky. Three. Mm. The edge. <laughs> the extent. The line. The perimeter. The perimeter. <laughs> That's what defines the property. And as many of you would know, I'm currently renovating. And Veronica, you recently renovated in the last few years. And we have to we have to sometimes do a survey to determine where the boundary is for the property. And it's not always where the fences are. Oh, no. I've got a story like on that. Do you know that? <laughs> I told you my story about the fence? Yep. Okay, I'm not going to bore you all by telling you again. You're going to have to go sifting through previous I don't know uh, which episode so... that was in, but it's a, it's a cracker. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Building code. Yes, local regulations that can, and also national, so yeah. there's at, at all different levels there are building codes, but they control the design, construction, and materials used in construction. Very important because particularly if you're buying a property that's recently being built, you want to make sure that it, it, it complies with the codes that are current uh, whereas older buildings won't necessarily comply with codes. You've got to make sure that it was built before a point at which it needed to comply with the codes, but very important stuff for buyers to know. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes the building inspector will note that something isn't in accordance with the building code at the time that they do the inspection, but it may have been at the time that it was built. So that's a really tough one because you've got to then make a decision what you're going to upgrade and what you aren't going to upgrade, and it's not the seller's responsibility to do that. Business day. Oh, this is a good one. So, you know, like if you ever told you got five, a cooling off period of five business days, what that means is that the ends expires in New South Wales anyway at 5 p.m. at the end of the fifth full business day. So, um, and it's usually ends at 5 p.m. in Queensland, is it a 5 p.m.? It absolutely is. It excludes weekends, public holidays. Um, It's good when riding conditions. So, talking about business days, particularly at a period of time where there's lots of public holidays, so the Christmas period or the Easter period, Mm. referring to business days as opposed to days actually clearly gives you enough business days to get things done if you're making a conditional offer in the States that you can do that. Let's have a look at burden. Sounds Great word, isn't it? Burden. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, a burden is a generic term that refers to a restriction, right? Restriction of use. So we'll get to, you know, we get to E, we'll talk about easements. But say, for instance, there's a right of way on the property, it's going to be an advantage to somebody and a burden to somebody else. So if you've got a battle axe block, say you're buying the block at the back and your driveway goes off across, you share a driveway with the front house, the front house is burdened um, by that driveway where you get the benefit of that driveway. So it's quite useful when you're looking at properties where there are sort of restrictions on them to know whether you're the one gaining the benefit of that restriction or whether you're the one being burdened by that restriction. And it not, might not necessarily be a terrible burden. It, it may no. just be, you know, an access or a, a certain thing that you can or can't do. So understanding it, an easement or a burden isn't necessarily going to affect the livability or amenity of the property. There's that word again. Uh, mm -hmm. So understanding it is, is very much key there. Buyer's agent. We know about them, don't we? Good idea. Also known as a buyer's advocate in some parts of the country. And you can engage a buyer's agent to search and negotiate for you uh, if you want to um, or if you can afford it. A buyer's agent is a real estate agent who acts at buyers instead of sellers. But unfortunately, the term is not yet regulated. So yeah. anybody who feels like it can sort of call themselves buyer's agent, a lot of um, beginners agents, sales agents or sales agent associates or assistants call themselves buyer's agents, unfortunately, but they're not really. Just because they work with buyers doesn't mean they are buyer's agents. Absolutely Buyer's not. agent is paid they're by the buyer. They're working for the seller. If they yeah. are on that side of things, they're still working for the seller. A bit murky on that one. We do have uh, a way of, of um, really defining that, in that is a, a true buyer's agent will be paid by the buyer for their services and exclusively work for that buyer, not for the seller. Yeah, yeah. Got to be very careful there because some people call themselves buyer's agent and they're actually a sales person for a developer. Yes. You know, and they're supposedly helping you buy, but they're actually they get commission from the developer. Great commissions from the developer. Lots and lots. Yeah, anyway, buyers, I need to digress. Buyers market. Oh. So when the demand for property is less than the supply, it becomes, you know, the, the advantage shifts to the buyer and that's when it becomes a buyer's market. So basically when there's more sellers than there are buyers, typically you'll find it that way around. Yeah, so competition just isn't as much. You've got a little bit more time to think. Clearly, take your time, do your due diligence, be a bit more fussy. We certainly haven't seen a buyer's market for a long time. Uh, certainly pre-COVID would be probably the last time that we saw a buyer's market. Uh, it, it certainly has been a seller's market for the last couple of years. Explain, we record this at the end of 2022, heading into 2023, and certainly it has shifted a little bit certainly in some parts of the country more so than others, but we're, we're certainly experiencing more of a buyer's market now in some yeah some places right. uh, capital expenditure is the cost of an improvement made to extend the useful life of a property or to add to its value mm. and the capital meaning um money, money. <laughs> so, that you're spending is it so we do you should have the word capital being capital means money and then capital growth is actually the gain on the sale of a capital asset, right? So in mm. simple terms, this is the amount that your property has increased in value since you bought it, the, the growth in money. <laughs> and I want to point out, you know, we, we do talk about capital growth um, in the podcast. We do talk about it extensively in the course. Um, capital growth is not realised until the property is sold. So up until that point, you can estimate capital growth. It's not actually realised until sale. <laughs> 
Capital gains tax. A lot of people. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you see it a lot, definitely on YouTube. There's a lot of people talking about instant equity gain, <laughs> instant equity uplift, um, where they go and buy a property, then they go and get it revalued, and they go, now it's worth 50000 more than it was when I bought it six months ago. That is not true capital growth. That's marketing. Yes, and, and, maybe, <laughs> and maybe some fortunate market conditions. So capital gain. It's slowly different to capital growth. So when your accountant works out your capital gain, they will subtract from the capital growth, that that figure, the costs that were associated with purchasing, the interest costs, the borrowing costs, the renovating the fees and, and anything that, uh, any costs associated with selling the property. And then what you're left with is what's called the capital gain. And if it's an investment property or if you have lived in it at any particular point and then maybe moved out and rented out, and, and there's certain uh, circumstances where you might have to pay tax on that, and that is called capital gains tax, or so CGT. Yes. If your property is your principal place of residence, that is the one that you've always lived in since you purchased it, then you don't have to pay capital gains tax on the capital gain when you sell. If, however, your property is an investment property or has been for any period of time of your ownership, then you'll need to pay some tax. Now, there are some circumstances where you may have had it as an investment property and there may be some timeframes around, you know, when you can and can't move back in and, and it's complicated differently. <laughs> very complicated, very much accountant space, this one, but it is something you need to know. 100%. And then on that also is the capital gains tax concession. So property investors in Australia currently get what's called a 50% CGT discount, right? And that means that after your accountant has calculated their capital gains um, and then you're working out, well, what um, the tax that you might need to pay, you only have to pay tax on half of the figure of the gain, right? At your marginal tax rate. At your, exactly. Uh. Once again, very complicated. Uh. Talk to your accountant. This is why, particularly <laughs> if you are a property investor, you do need to have a ca uh, an accountant that understands all this stuff. Part of your support crew. Yep. <laughs> 100%. And that could change yeah. as well. You know, that the time of recording this, that's what it is. The Howard government, and probably was in government before most of you were born, um, they changed. It used to be this sort of very complex calculation and it was all about um, inflation and to uh, to account for inflation and capital growth so you're not paying tax on the inflation. Very complicated stuff, but they simplified it by putting this 50% um, discount and as we know, back in 2019, ALP were trying to get, you know, well, they were trying to change negative gearing. And this is sort of in the in the um, the crosshairs of some politicians' um, thoughts around changing tax. So at the moment, that's what it is, but it could change. Could change. Be aware of it. Capital improvement is our next C. Any structure or addition to a property erected as a permanent improvement that adds value or it's, it adds usefulness to its life. So uh, that might be, you know, adding a deck or a carport or, or a pool, pool, something of those things. Or a house. <laughs> Putting a house on a block of land. <laughs> cash flow. Oh, it's such a nice term, isn't it? Cash flow. I like the idea of cash flowing. Important to understand, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the measure of the cash flow and the outflow from the, the business or, in your case, your, your property dealings. Positive cash flow means more cash or money is coming in than is leaving and negative cash flow is the reverse. Yeah. So 
Once again, that's something that's quite important for investors in particular. But even if you're going to live in the property, you've got to be thinking about your own cash flow because you're Absolutely. the one paying the mortgage and not getting any really. income from the property. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. All right, our next is caveat. It is a warning on a title to a purchaser that a third party might have some interest or right in the property. Now, one of the examples I can give you of a property that we purchased uh, a number of years ago for one of our buyer's agent's clients was where someone had actually gone bankrupt. So there were caveats on the title in relation to the creditors that had an interest in uh, the sale of that property. So yes, and it can get very messy because if they don't have enough money then to pay the mortgage, the balance of what's ever owing to the bank, it becomes a bit of a fight. Years ago when I was a sales agent, we had a client that where the property took a long time to settle because of all these caveats and the bank's going, ah. nah, you're not paying them until you pay us. Yeah, right. And there was this big struggle there and fight. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Caveat emptor is a Latin phrase for let the buyer beware and never more true than in Queensland when it comes mm-hmm. to buying property. Mm-hmm. So the onus is on the buyer to be satisfied with any item, condition, anything relating to the property before they purchase. It is not the seller's responsibility or the agent's responsibility to reveal things to you. And this is, we could do an entire episode <laughs> just on caveat emptor because I think a lot of people I'll just pop it assume, on the link, Veronica. Yeah, we'll do. Well, a lot of people just assume that, look, it's such an important thing, buying a house or buying an apartment, that surely all this stuff should be disclosed to you. And in every state, as we keep banging on about as different, yep. Queensland, honestly, if you aren't using a buyer's agent or not doing our course in Queensland, you're insane. <laughs> there is a lot so that you can have absolutely no idea about and, and uh-huh. nobody is there to tell you. You talk to a solicitor, but they're not going to know a, a, a whole raft of things, particularly about you know the process that you need to go through in order to do your own due diligence about what you might want for yourself in a property. Particularly because you can waive your rights just yourself in Queensland. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, you're writing off. on an email yeah. and you don't need to get any legal advice. And so it's not until afterwards that you might go, oh, shit. Um, and in fact, we have done a couple of those case study episodes where people have inadvertently shot themselves in the foot because they didn't know what they didn't know. Dangerous yep. stuff. Absolutely. Right. get of title. This is a description of a property with the name of the registered owner, the encumbrances. We haven't got to E yet, but we're getting there. Um, <laughs> and encumbrances might be you know, mortgages or easements. We have done, we have talked a little bit about e- easements, but these will be on the certificate of title. Also, um, covenants will be on the title. So your solicitor will always do um, a title search when you purchase and a title search immediately before settlement in case any, in case any new covenants, uh, any new caveats have been put onto the title. Absolutely. Chattels. Such an old-fashioned sounding word, isn't it? (laughs) These are movable items of personal property, such as furniture that might be included in the sale but might not. And there's like sometimes these sort of like blurry lines around light fittings, for example. And I've seen dishwashers, you know, not not inclusions because my auntie gave it to me on a wedding. You know, oh, for God's sake, leave it behind. (laughs) Really? Just make sure it's really clearly on the contract what's (laughs) in and what's out. That's exactly but these are right. To fixtures, which we'll get to. Clear title is a title that's free from Lien or legal questions as to ownership of the property. 
So it basically means that, yes, it's confident that the person selling it actually owns it mm -hmm. and can sell it to you as opposed to a bit dodgy, a bit up in the air. We're not really quite sure whether they own it or not. And there has been some, and oh, I guess there's been recently a lot of um, increased awareness as to privacy, but also our personal um, security data. and what do you call it? Mm -hmm. um, data. Thank you yeah. very much. That's the word. Because people have been, uh, in West Australia, there was actually a case where some people sold property that didn't belong to them. So all this identification has been tightened up across the country as a result of that. Can you imagine buying a property from someone that didn't actually own it didn't in the first it. place? Can you imagine being the owner? Mm. Uh, funny your property's been sold? Yep. Oh, oh. good Lord. Terrible. Is a proportion, usually a percentage, but not always, might be a fixed uh, proportion of the sale price of a property paid to a real estate agent for negotiating the real estate transaction. Now, you as the buyer don't pay the commission on that. It's the seller who takes from the sale price the money to pay the selling agent. On the other hand, Absolutely. if you're engaging a buyer's agent, then you'll pay them a commission or a fee or a, a service cost, and that would be paid by you, not the seller. As distinct from in America, if you remember our episode with <laughs> David Sedoni. Right, common property. These are areas uh, in a strata or a community title uh, building or complex, areas that are shared by all owners. And it might be a driveway, it might be a garden, it might be the pool, Ooh. you know, it might be a tennis court, it might be the hallways. Yeah, pathways. Yeah, complex. Yeah. Yeah. Light, common lighting. Um, as you say, anything that is not either on your title or exclusive use, and we'll come to those shortly. Conditional offer. You don't see these a lot in New South Wales, Veronica, but up here they are very common. It is an offer to purchase a property that is subject to special conditions that need to be satisfied within a specified time frame. If the buyer terminates the contract under any one of those conditions, they're not penalised. They get their deposit back. Um, examples of this include, say, finance approval, building and pest inspections, strata search. They're the most common ones, but really there can be any conditions agreed to on a contract as long as they're not unlawful. And, you know, I think this is, once again, we always talk about in Your First Home Buyer Guide, the course, knowing what you don't know so that you know the sorts of conditions you need to put on an offer. Um, but also the market conditions, what you might be able to get away with in a buyer's market, as we mentioned earlier, uh, as opposed to a seller's market. We haven't got to S's yet. We'll stick to C. Contract <laughs> of sale is next. An agreement in writing setting out the terms and conditions relating to the sale or purchase of a property. It is also the purchase document signed at an auction. Mm -hmm. And the conveyancer is an important um, person when it comes to a contract of sale. Huge. Big part <laughs> of the process. You will need to engage a lawyer or a conveyancer to review the contract when you buy property. And a conveyancer is different to a lawyer in that they only work on property matters, right? So they're often less expensive than a lawyer, but not necessarily, because um, it certainly doesn't mean they're not as good. But like anything, you need to look at one that is experienced mm. and is good. Now, we'd, you know, I'd take an experienced conveyancer every day over a lawyer who does not specialize in property. Um, but it's sometimes intimate knowledge, that expertise in the subject matter area, because lawyers can do a whole lot of specialisations. You do not want a defence attorney doing your conveyancing. No. 
also, or a family lawyer or, you know, <laughs> but even the local lawyer just, you know, down the, down the street, if they do heaps and heaps of property or they're accredited property specialist, then then great. But a lot of them don't. They just do a bit of everything. So they're yeah. sort of, what's a jack of all trades, a master of none. Is that the way it is? Yeah. That's it. Cool all right. period, Veronica. Mm, well, this is, um, you don't get one. If you buy at auction, but, but if you don't buy at auction, there is usually a cooling off period or different one in every that needs state. to be different or you, you need to waive it potentially. It's the legal entitlement of a property purchaser to withdraw from a contract by giving written notice within a defined period after the contract is signed. And as we said, different in every state. In most cases, there is a penalty payment that can be charged by the seller if you terminate within the cooling off period. But as Megan said earlier, it depends on what the conditions are. Um, in New South Wales, it doesn't matter about conditions. You will pay a penalty, but in other states, it's very different. And in, interestingly, in, in Victoria, for instance, there's a penalty, but because you, because you can um, write a conditional offer, you may not need to worry about that. Mm. It's all very complex, but anyway. Yeah. Yep. If you've got a condition off. that you can pull out on, or you, know, you haven't got your finance approved, you wouldn't terminate mm -hmm. under a cooling off period. You terminate under the finance approval clause if you Absolutely. have one in the state. Uh, covenant is the terms, conditions, and restrictions noted on the title. A covenant mm -hmm. may affect future plans or the resale of the property. Yes. So a good example of a covenant might be in a subdivision where it's been determined that, you know, you have to have the same type yeah. of fence or you have to have the same type of roof or you can only be single story. You yeah. can't make a second story or no front fences. So some strange, sometimes odd from outsiders coming in, but that's what preserves the look and feel of that area and so it can be a good thing Ooh. um in terms of colors know, keeping... there might be colors that yeah. you know you can't have bright orange or bright pink or you know it's restricted restricted to a certain combination of colors and and that you know that prevents some um neighborly disputes that might arise Ooh. And good knowing what the covenants are before you buy the property. And this is where we are talking about before I said, if you buy in Queensland without either engaging a buyer's agent or, and a buyer's agent that knows how to do this yeah. for you, by the way, or doing the course and learning this, is that if you don't know where to get that information, you could buy a property thinking you're going to add a second story and then discover much to your um, disappointment after you've already committed to it and waived all your rights that you can't build on there. So you need to learn this stuff before you sign on the dotted line. Absolutely. A deed is a legal document conveying title to a property. There you go. There you go. Oh, I know. What to say and, about that one. No, <laughs> and often you don't see them because everyone's got mortgages and they don't get the banks, the banks hold, hold these them. deeds. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right, default. <laughs> yeah. That's failure, failure to satisfy conditions. So example... Uh, the condition of sale or purchase. Um, so a, a default would be if you have to do something by 5 p.m. on a certain day and you haven't done it and you're doing it at 5.01, you've actually defaulted on the contract. You haven't met the condition according to the condition's written requirements and you have defaulted. It could be even that you've got an unconditional contract, you get to the settlement day and the bank says, you know what, I, uh, I'm not going to give you the money or you can't come up with enough deposit to complete the purchase. You, you've defaulted on the contract. What a mess. Yeah. You can default on your mortgage too, so be careful. Yeah, and, uh, and there are legal ramifications, so very important to understand your position before you enter into any sort of contract. Right. Deposit. Yeah. 
a percentage of the purchase price amount or specified dollar amount. So it doesn't have to be a, per, a percentage. It can be a specified amount given to bind the sale of uh, real estate. So it's the amount, you know, you hear about the deposit of 10% at auction or 5% uh, to secure the, the property. It can be as little as $100 um, or in some cases you can actually secure a property in some states without a deposit. Mm. I didn't even know that. Did you know how do you do that? Because uh, the consideration is actually the amount that you're paying as opposed to the deposit. Uh, there, actually, there are technical things. Like in New South Wales, for instance, that it's typically accepted that it's a 10% deposit, yet you can negotiate a lower amount, generally not less than 5%. But on the front page of the contract where it asks for the, the deposit amount, normally it fills in. you fill in the full 10%, even though you might be paying less. Because there's a clause in, inside the contract somewhere that basically usually, not always, usually says that if you default, you're up for the full 10%. So back to default, deposit. See, all these terms are very, very important. Yeah. Depreciation. It's a decline in the value of the property. We talked about appreciation. Appreciation. This is the opposite. You don't want this when you own a property, but as a buyer, you might really appreciate a depreciation. Property values. Oh, <laughs> so, the decline in the value of the property due to changes in market conditions or any other cause. True, but there's also depreciation from a tax point of view, which are the things that you can um, claim a tax deduction on if you are an investor. So there's the building and there's also the, the fixtures and fittings. So depending on um, whether you're buying it new or whether you're buying it secondhand, whether you renovated it or whether somebody else renovated it, um, and depending on how old the building is, you can you know potentially claim, and that's called depreciation as well. So those those things depreciate. So there is that common thing that the land appreciates and the buildings depreciate. That's sort of where that comes from. Mm. Disbursement, a cash expenditure for the purpose of settling a debt, or there's another one is. Um, you know, the lawyer might go, oh, and I'm going to charge you the fees plus disbursement. So basically that's any certificates that they've re uh, requested Cost. on your behalf, costs basically. Used to so, be postage, um, faxing. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, there used to be all the phone calls. calls. Phone 20 cents. <laughs> you put 20 cents in a phone and make a call <laughs> and, had, and dialed like a proper dial in the olden days. <laughs> Showing your age there, darling. <laughs> oh, come on. You're pretending you don't remember. That's because oh, I remember. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we do digress. Yes, dual occupancy. This is really interesting because um, let's go through it. It's a block of land which is zoned so that two distinct dwellings are permitted to be constructed. Now, that might be um, a villa with a common wall or um, stacked on top of each other. Uh, it might be two individual houses, but they're not. Um, individually titled. So there's some some sort of um, connection. But every local government authority has a different approach to dual occupancy. Um, interestingly, in Queensland, uh, Brisbane City Council didn't allow dual occupancy unless you had a related person in the other part of the property, in, in a lot of cases, so granny flats, that sort of thing, um, unless it was actually registered as two flats. So, you know, it's 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 different in every state, but Queensland mm. government has now taken over and as part of their um, housing summit have overruled the individual local go government areas to say, well, you are going to allow this now. They 
suddenly realise they need to create more rental stock, have they? Yes. Mm. <laughs> be interesting to see it, how that goes, actually. Yeah. Sure. Now, sort of aligned with that, but not quite, is duplex. So that's a type of construction where two buildings are attached together by a common wall, potentially a floor. You know, so duplexes could be a flat on top and flat down the bottom. Um, so it's not the same as a granny flat. Yeah. And sometimes they are it's one title and um, other times there's two different titles. So you could, own, it's like an apartment, own upstairs and a little bit of the common property downstairs and someone else owns downstairs in the other half of the common property. Yeah. So, hmm. All right. Well, I think that's enough for today. My brain's hurting. I'm sure yours is. So <laughs> we will be back next week with more really important terms that you need to be across when you're buying a property. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.